0: Welcome to Let's Hope the Weather Holds, a podcast by me, Gharadez, where I interview people I meet on assignments as a writer and photographer for outdoor travel and farming magazines. For podcast one, I talked to New Zealand fly fishing guide Alex Waller, the man behind the popular YouTube and Instagram channel Trippin' on Trout, what a super cool dude. As a bonus, I also recorded a talk by him at the Auckland Fly Fishing Anglers Club, where he spoke about fly fishing. Uh, the Tongariro River, and what works to get some fish on in this iconic uh, river. That's right after the interview. Sweet. Here we go.
1: It's weird because, like, you put a video out, and it's still weird. I've been doing it just over a year now, and it's still strange. Like, you make the video, you watch it, you go, okay, well, call cool, you post it, and then you're just kind of like, well, what if anyone's going to watch that? Yeah, yeah, maybe like, no one. Yeah, like, or maybe it's just shit.
0: How, I don't know. how many followers do you have on Instagram now? Instagram? Yeah. Nine and a bit thousand. Oh, I thought you were going to say nine. <laughs> <laughs> Without kids, like, eight. okay, nine thousand, that's shit. And that's huge if you think that it's mostly people interested in fly fishing, right?
1: Yeah, but, I mean, there's so many bigger ones out there. If I was a hot chick, I'd probably have, like, 90,000. Yeah, I'm sure you would have that. Oh, still, it's a small
0: community, dude. It's not like a huge community, right? I, it, it's not I, like it's I, the tenor, well, the rugby community or the... Yeah,
1: but I guess... I don't know man, it's it's the internet, it's the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I haven't worked Fuck it. Yeah, it's okay, a so scratch.
0: so if I didn't say this already, sitting with Alex Waller, fly fishing guide in Topo, New Zealand. Dude, we went fishing today. It was tough. You caught a fish, right? Yeah, that sounds bad. And that <laughs> and, <laughs> and I lost the fish. And it's Captain Clampy. It's uh yeah, yeah, because I didn't listen to you. So basically Alex told me what to do. So I've been fly fishing for a while. We'll get into this later. But he told me what to do because it was a bigger fish than I'm used to. And I didn't listen to him. But let's let's not talk about that. I've got a bone to pick with you. I came to New Zealand. Decided I want to fly fish. I typed t- t- into the Google machine fly fishing New Zealand. yeah, And tripping on chart came up. That's good. And from the videos my perception of Fly fishing in New Zealand is you go to the river, you cast, you talk a bit of shit, but like a minute of shit. Yeah. Oh, I said shit. Shit. And then you catch a fish. Oh, yeah. That's That's how it goes, right? And then five minutes later, you repeat the process till you're tired of catching fish. And then you go home. And then you go home. So coming from that, my question is, why does one guy go to the river, the same river, the same spot, the same equipment, and why does the one person catch and the other one doesn't? Editing. Okay. <laughs> no, Editing. okay. Just no, just kidding. No, so what, what, like, why would I, not me, let's take it away from me because yeah. it might be weird for you. Like, like, why does one person go and not catch anything? Like, what, is it just pure experience? Is it luck? What's going on there?
1: I think it's a lot of factors. It obviously, there's a lot of variables. As we were talking about it today. A lot of it is just time on the water. Yeah. I mean, I fish a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. on the water a lot. And yeah. so I get to. I, am I allowed to swear on this? We keep it swearing yeah, to him yeah, a minute. Yeah, we'll try not to. But okay, we will try. It to, doesn't matter. Okay, so I'll keep my mistake. Fuck ups. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard not to swear. Um, so, like, I, I get a lot of time to, uh, to fuck up and learn from that and, yeah. and just keep going through scenarios and get the chance to, to try things out and and just be being on the water so much is is pretty much everything. Okay. So and I mean shit I've been doing this for a long time yeah, and yeah, I've been yeah. doing it obsessively for a long time. Yeah. So what and, and shit, we I still will go to a river sometimes and not catch a fish. Yeah. It happened but it happens less less now. And hopefully it will continue to happen less. And on I, that day, why
0: also. is it just conditions, fish, temperature? <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe, maybe like maybe that particular stretch of water hadn't been fished for a while. But conditions were good. Uh, I just happened to be there at the right time. There was fish in a section of the river. They were out on the chew. Maybe there was a hatch going on.
0: And and lots you don't have variables control of it. You might know the depth of the river, you might know what there should yeah. be. You can eating. fish
1: a river well, but you know, if the fish aren't out on the chew, then you know, yeah. you're not gonna That's catch it. nearly as many or conditions might not be as good uh, as an, as another day. But um I I'd i I'd say the main thing is just I spend more time on the water than you. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. or old mate down the road who comes down, you know, once every couple of weeks yeah. and and yeah, you know, it, you know, it doesn't fish that much.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And like I said to you also, like a uh, guide spoke to us at uh, the Auckland Fly Fishing Club and just when he explained depth of water and how what your length of tippet and your distance between your dry fly and your, your nymph is... And it opens up your eyes. It's yeah. It's just like knowledge and, and, and working on Just learning on
1: from people, eh? Yeah. They're always going to learn something from someone that you didn't think about before. And then, yeah. then, you, then you hear it and you're like, of
0: course. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but so then you simple. spent the time in the water and paid for accommodation and drove down and yeah. you should have known that. Okay, but let's backtrack. You, you started fishing with your grandfather. Yeah, and when that I, was where and how long ago? So,
1: I was born in the UK and I, I fished when I was like six,
0: okay. five.
1: It was like you just bait fishing, though. No? Um, for course, we call them course. Do they call them course fish? You know what I mean? Do they call them that in South Africa? Just it's basically no, game fish, or trout, and salmon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have, you know, saltwater fish, and then coarse fish is like everything else yeah, carp yeah, okay. and roach and okay. Okay. and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So, it was like that. And then we taught ourselves to fly fish when I was about 11
0: okay just you to, and him you decided both to get he, into. he
1: he had a friend i remember he a friend of him his took him to a local reservoir or something one night and he came back just pumped and was like we gotta try this we gotta oh, yeah. so we just went down to the local store bought a shit rod and then made it up because yeah, yeah, yeah. no internet man we were talking about it earlier no yeah. internet
0: no yeah, yeah yeah you had to figure it no out no videos
1: yourself. nothing so yeah we just kind of flapped around but a bit that and was still dams like Reservoirs lakes. and lakes. lakes. so Just still water. Still water and just,
0: just tell me, just so people can hear about this, like you said in, in, in the UK, uh, fly fishing was a rich man's sport, basically. Rivers. Like, rivers, fly yeah, fishing rivers. Yeah, to fly fish rivers. <laughs> rivers was generally a bit costly. So you had the okay.
1: money and yeah. like a, a way into, I guess a syndicate or a club or you know, privately owned stretches of water, which we were never that that well off. So it was all still water stuff. So small lakes, big reservoirs with so all stocked fish. And then you go and buy a four or a six or whatever fish ticket, yeah, yeah, and that means for us it was generally you have like a vending machine yeah. style thing, I've you never put, heard
0: this happen ever, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's weird,
1: it's random, but it's yeah, so you you before you went fishing, you'd have your license but you you'd have to have like a a handful of coins, like pound coins, because yeah, yeah. that's what the machine would take, yeah, yeah, so then you put your like just. What It would cost 12 pounds, let's say, for like a six fish ticket. You put that in and get your ticket. And then that's all you could catch. Yeah. So you might catch six fish in half an hour, or you might take it all day, or you might not catch your six fish. But then there's no catch and release, so you had to kill everything that you caught. And then once you'd caught your limit, you either had to stop fishing and go home, or you buy another ticket, and then
0: you carry on. And was that fly fishing already or not? Was that, that was that... fly fishing, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were
1: catching? Sometimes. Struts, yeah. Okay. Stockies, so rainbows. Okay, so that was by the... sterile, sterile yeah, yeah. rainbows. Yeah. Okay. So they basically have there be farms somewhere bought there stocked once a week or whatever, okay. and whatever we, whatever was taken out was replaced. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So they obviously knew. Um... I think it's still pretty big over there, eh? I think it's still a big thing. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think when, when I left, the big thing was like these small clear, air quote trophy. Places. There was one called Avington and there was one called... Oh yeah,
0: called... it's like a kind of a holiday trout fishing resort type thing. No, it was, really. it's a
1: lake, but they farm the fish there and they their speciality is farming huge fish. Oh yeah. 15, 20 pound trout that they would stock in the same way. And then you go along. I went to Avington once just to have a look at it and it was a 100
0: pounds for two fish. Wow. Just mental. Really, like you know... But then are they... Is that fish there... Purely for people to come and pay? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Same same, same principle as what I was talking about, but just huge
0: fish. Huge fish. Yeah. And then no river fishing until you came to New Zealand? I didn't know
1: how to fish a river when I turned up. I had had to learn that all over again. How long ago was that? 2003 I came here, so probably 2004. I was kind of like working it out. I did some lake edge stuff and this and the other, and then it was just like, okay, I've got to have to, I had to get into this river stuff because it's everywhere, and yeah, yeah, then it was yeah. just pretty much starting from scratch.
0: And was it out. difficult, like oh.
1: relearning kind of everything? Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> no clue. Yeah, I still remember catching my first trout and having absolutely no clue of what I'd actually done to get the eat.
0: Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah it was and what reading or practice? What do you do? Just read everything, or
1: I guess read, ask questions, ask people. If occasionally, or, or, or my big thing is because. I'm not that big on kind of walking up to strangers and yeah, yeah. asking them questions, but I'd stand back and watch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'd just watch someone. Oh, okay. I wonder what he's doing. Okay, I see what he's doing now. I'll try that. Yeah, yeah. And then he's go away and work it out. And then just time on the water.
0: And uh, these days it's easy because you can just like Google tripping on trout and then you get all the details. But back yeah. in the day, it probably wasn't.
1: Uh, yeah. I don't actually I don't actually remember watching really any, anything on YouTube.
0: So you, you came over, you said earlier, because um, you were you were a skydiver and you were like instructor or just doing tandem jumps? Just tandems, so just a meat wagon bro. And then how, <laughs> how, uh, how do you make the transition into being a guide? Uh, so when I, when I stopped
1: skydiving, I'd spent like the last decade just basically getting pretty well qualified on a drop zone, but then those transferable skills are like nil into the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I didn't really know how to do anything else other than train in a gym. So I became a personal trainer and yeah. then fish. So it really just came down to like what can I do? What, what do I know how to do?
0: Okay, but you, you had like I'm like I'm tired of skydiving I'm a personal trainer I can fish and then you started just like word of mouth people said go fish oh, with yeah. that guy. Uh, or- so
1: yeah like, uh, Matt at Taupo Rod and Tackle which is which is the local store in town um, yeah. I generally always owe him money. Okay. <laughs> so someone would come in the shop and go oh, I'm looking for a guide. he'd phone me and go hey man you, what are you up to? And I'm like I'll, can you guide? I'd be sweet, and I'd do the job, and then pay Matt my yeah, pay my yeah, tab yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then rack got it back up. A bit again. of
0: extra cash in your in your. No, pocket. I just give it to Matt. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just buy like stuff for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. just you know, ramp the account back up and have to do another job. But that's and really then,
0: bad business practice, right? Terrible, terrible. <laughs> have you stopped that? I still owe him money. Oh uh, yeah, he knows where you live something. Okay, and then transitioning to to basically full-time guiding now now yeah
1: I, I'm pretty much I I, I pretty much. I don't do the PET stuff so much through winter anymore and I, I'm pretty much a full-time guide Yeah, I kind of for ages nah nah I just do it here and there but now, you're, pretty much now, now you're doing it
0: yeah. well I mean certainly the uh, you know what you're doing after a day out fishing with you um, and I learned a lot and uh, I'm jumping a bit around with the questions because I've got a bunch of questions here but um uh, you you said most of your clients are, are foreigners at the moment?
1: Yeah, the last couple of seasons have been mainly from
0: the states England and Australia. Yeah, mostly. Few from Europe but And what really. are the age of those guys? Are they like old blokes coming to fish because it's been their dream or is just sometimes it, it it's a bit of a range like um
1: yeah, a lot of tourists that come through Telper yeah, Some yeah. of them want to either a family day out or just to give it a go, but then more and more this season especially, and I think it's down to YouTube, is I'm getting more people our age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
0: are coming through because they're tech savvy and they.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they're just kind of like it's been on the list and they've saved up and they're going to come over and like, you know fish for a month or whatever like yeah. that. So that that that's a cool energy, a cool vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Yeah,
1: so it, it ranges. Yeah, sometimes you take uh, you take an, an older guy out and. Go pick and choose where you go. Stay local, easy access, easy yeah, way, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. And then someone like yourself will come along and be like, "Bro, let's go and hit the back country and put a hike in and go somewhere yeah, cool yeah, and yeah. spend the night." And we'll go, to, which we'll go do. We'll yeah, do for it. sure. Yeah, we'll for sure,
0: that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, it's cool. You get a you get a range of different stuff. And man. the backcountry trip, what do you do? You like cater for those guys, or do they have to like pack their own food? And how how does that work? Yeah, I'm like, am I like carrying your shit for you? Yeah, I've yeah, got yeah, enough of my sure. own. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, you, you, we, hopefully, it's a, you. You tell them before and like you. I'm going to be capable to do this or so, yeah, generally, difficult to hundred percent. No, time. no,
1: it's only up and we, we'll have a conversation around it like, okay, cool, what do you want to do? And then it comes down to, well, what can you do? Because yeah. a lot of people were like, oh, I like where you go and I want to go and do that kind of thing and then it comes down to, well, unless you're rich enough to fly in somewhere, buddy, mm. we're not going to be able to get there because, you know, you spend a life sat on your butt and you're well overweight and you can't walk away and you actually get there let alone fish and get out so but it, it, it's all doable is you it just difficult to tell t- someone like to go like open
0: the conversation or you just do
1: it I'm definitely I get, I getting better at it I think it comes down to getting older I'm got
0: oh yeah like, you don't care anymore I'm not I don't care and and,
1: and, it, and it's a safety thing really
0: yeah yeah for sure you know
1: I'm like you gotta be truthful with me because we get in there and then all of a sudden you're like you're not capable of getting out we're in, we're in a bit of trouble yeah for sure yeah
0: and what what's the number one mistake you see people make? Like, if 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 in the last hundred people that you took out, if you wish you could tell them, oh, if you could just have sorted that out at home, like, what is their... You don't have to say a mistake, but, you know... I think casting. Okay. Just you know,
1: not having the casting skills.
0: Oh, I mean, that was too... That was the same thing. But it's just that just was different. the same thing I <laughs> messed up today, <laughs> listeners. The casting skills. <laughs> The first 10 minutes could have been nerves, but after that, it was just, yeah, I didn't work on it. By
1: the end there, man, you were were setting up and water loading and mending, really nice. This is going to
0: go international, so thanks for saying that. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But so so casting is. It's a huge thing, thing. man. And
1: again, if people are planning a trip out, we'll have a conversation, and I'll be like, right, before you come, you need to be practicing this, this, this. And generally, it comes down to accuracy with a long leader, as in. Twelve feet minimum okay accuracy at like twenty feet thirty feet forty feet, yeah, just it, and then you're roll casting and and even if it's just that, that will send you a long way yeah. towards catching if you can turn up having those skills under your belt yeah then then, then we can then we can start fishing, other than that, we can't do much until we've got yeah, our heads yeah, got around that, that, that sorted out yeah. And that can be that can be the whole day sometimes. And
0: you just suss out a guy and see, oh, okay, I have to work on this first. And oh, yes. yeah, you know it immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna ask certain questions and uh, <laughs> things here. Um, and then, so so like I said earlier, I mean, I got to know you because I saw you on on YouTube. Yeah. Um, how did you get into that? Because you said you didn't even think It wasn't like a marketing thing You just dug doing it Yeah And how did that happen? When, when did you start doing that?
1: Probably just over, probably just over a year now
0: Maybe oh really? That a, that's short? So like bit, I yeah. I freaking flew in, Maybe. and you started doing that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is oh, this is, this this is fishing should. in New Zealand. Yeah,
1: You yeah, probably just yeah you started. screwed
0: it up for me, by so, the way. But it's fine. New
1: Zealand will do that too. you. Yeah, yeah. Just
0: across the board. It's going to ruin your
1: trout fishing forever. everyone. So what did
0: you what did you start with? Like a GoPro? Uh,
1: yeah, pretty much, pretty much just a GoPro, and then um, and then I was I was kind of doing a lot of filming for Gareth. And his videos. So, so
0: for to... him or for like when there's a client? For him. Right? Okay, so Gareth, his... Gareth is, for those who don't know, Gareth is that guy hey, from g- what? Chow Chur- Chur- Hunting NZ. Chur- yeah, Chow Hunting NZ. Okay, and his surname is? Bayless. Gareth, Gareth Bayless. Which we ran into today and I had this little, like if kind of, I don't know, not Brad Pitt, but give me like some famous <laughs> actor, you know? That's it. I was like, oh, I, can't, I, can't. I actually wanted you to uh, to ask you to like take a photo of me and him, uh, <laughs> and then I was like, just kind of playing it cool, you know. Um, you did well. Did I, oh yeah, yeah. Did you really you played couldn't it, even you pick did. up that I, I was never, like. I will never Is tell that him. That guy?
1: I will never tell him that you compared him to Brad Pitt.
0: Yeah. He will let, never. Let think,
1: he, he won't get to a door. His head will be there. No, let us <laughs> think of someone else. Help me here, bro. Who can I compare him to in um, Hollywood? How about uh, Jack Black? Yes, Jack Black, the beard kind of, you know. Bit bigish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, So <laughs> there you go.
0: Just flew his drone in a tree. Yeah, know. yeah. So that's what, what he did. So you started shooting for his Well own we stuff.
1: we we fished together for years, six, seven, eight years, I don't know, ages now. And so like he kinda of started doing his so obviously we were fishing, so I'd just grab the camera and film as well yeah. for him and his and his videos. And then um That wasn't
0: just the GoPro, that was like That a was D S L R shooting a, video type of thing.
1: And then um I I got a camera because I wanted to shoot photos. I got. I kind of spent my first couple of years with a camera. Um, photos, just just stills. Yeah. And then um, yeah, then I was just like, oh,
0: okay, stills for fishing or stills for whatever. Mainly fishing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and then I was just like, oh, oh, maybe I'll give this a go. And um, even back from the skydiving days when we'd film the tandems and edit the videos, I always enjoyed the editing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just started giving it a nudge and putting them up without
0: really thinking that it will have an effect. <sighs> just, just, you know, Didn't think anyone would watch them. Um, and do you just have a ton of footage or do you go out to shoot something specific?
1: I go out to shoot something specific. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, then, I'll go fishing and, we're and right, I'm making a video today. Okay. Like next cool. time we fish, man, we'll go out and I'm like, cool, we're gonna make a video. Okay. And we'll
0: just, and whatever happens, happens. And do you ever have clients that are like, dude, we're going fishing? And you shooting a video of the trip, whereas that not really happened yet. Had a couple,
1: maybe one or two, but I, if if they ask me,
0: You'll do I'll it. do it.
1: But if they're paying me to guide them, that's gotta be my priority. yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. a very like hands-on kind of not touching you up. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. very hands on as in like <laughs> I want to be right Just, there <laughs> <laughs> oh good one yeah, yeah the yeah. first one of the yeah, podcast yeah yeah wow that's
0: a historic moment yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so like I'll do a very like I'll work work on your skills fly yeah, yeah. changes change the depth yeah. change this up and, and it, it doesn't leave a lot of time to film yeah yeah so I kind of like we were talking about it, fishing is is what it is and it might be a hard day like today or it might just be going on fire but or a
0: hard a hard fly fisher like yeah. <laughs> you're actually very easy to coach yeah well because I don't feel I need to protect my ego that's the only only reason some but, people bring
1: their egos for sure yeah. but like um so like it's hard to put time into making a video
0: because and it takes away from. maybe so if book you for two days you can like guide them one yeah. day and if there's
1: something they particularly want to do then yeah we'll, we'll make it work yeah but it, it would definitely help if they can, if they have the skills and can fish. Yeah. It would make it a lot easier to make a video. What What equipment would,
0: are you using at the moment?
1: Um. So I've got uh, Olympus, the mirrorless. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got the Olympus EM5 Mark II. But that's
0: for view. You're not shooting stills with that. You're yep. shooting. Okay. Yeah,
1: I shoot everything with that. Uh, I've got a couple different lenses for that. I've got two GoPros and a drone. Okay. Yeah, that's that's, that's it. And the
0: GoPro is on your chest, the got, ones on your chest or is... yeah,
1: I got one on my chest and
0: then one on my hip pack for like underwater footage okay. or whatever. Like and you just pop it off and yeah. like when you release Uh, it. so
1: I have the one in my hip pack which I'll just is on a little tripod, so I'll just take that out and then I'll use that underwater yeah, and yeah. the one on my chest
0: just stays just there. Stays there yeah. yeah. And then how difficult is it because I mean I was shooting photos, uh, with Alex today just because I wanna, you know, Shoot a lot more outdoor stuff, but it's it's difficult, kind of trying to fish and trying to to shoot because you you must really choose one. Okay, well, with the GoPro on your chest, it's kind of easy. But so, how much yeah. time do you spend doing the one and the other if you go and make a video? I probably spend the majority of time
1: fishing, which is which is that's where the GoPro comes in because you can just go boom and it will catch a lot of what's yeah, going yeah. on. As far as B roll goes, I'm pretty lazy. B-roll, uh, B-roll? Uh, like, uh, if you think of all the fishing stuff as A-roll, and then, like, B-roll is, like, a nice scenery or, oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. pan across the yeah, river yeah, yeah. or something that fills yeah, in yeah, the story yeah. or whatever. Um, depending on my day and my mood, I can go from, like, none okay, to, yeah. you know, a good amount. And then I'll put the drone up. Like I yeah. said, so most of the time i just carry the drone around <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't be asked. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for sure. So, I guess, yeah, you get it, you get it out of it what you put into it. Yeah, for, for sure. sure as, far as oh, you know that. Like and sound sa- sound equipment. What do you do? I've got a external mic on the top of my camera.
0: Yeah, and it's fine. You're happy with that?
1: Yeah, it works for what I do. I've got I've got one of these lapel mics for um. Like, if I'm doing like a something indoors. Yeah. And I'm moving around. But then, but
0: other than that, that's it. That's all I use. Okay. Yeah. So that's three pieces of equipment basically, and you make a lot of videos. Yeah. Do, do you get like um, shit on YouTube? Because you, yeah. do people like give you nonsense or are people like, oh, thanks, man, I learned a lot? Or Most you... people, it's positive feedback. Yeah. But
1: then there's always someone. Idiot. There's always at least one.
0: Like what criticism do you get?
1: Uh, yeah, oh, I've, I've had everything from um, telling me what I should be doing better. Like, <laughs> In terms of
0: phishing or video or what?
1: both music selection fishing oh, videography dude, i'm so
0: gonna leave a snotty comment <laughs> do it i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna be like and then you must just act like you don't you haven't met me and that i suck <laughs> just, <laughs> I'll just be you like down. you're a dumbass <laughs> i went fishing with this guy he's actually a dumbass he's like he idiot. looks nice in the videos like he's framing he's yeah, not he's an asshole
1: <laughs> and i've i've even had like full-on rents just calling you a sad fuck what? Oh yeah, man. Why? I don't know. I'm not too sure. People seem to put a lot of energy into some hating. Wow, that's weird. And it's, then, what uh, advice do you
0: get on fishing?
1: Oh, just stuff like oh, um, the the a, a big one is you shouldn't have so much. You should fish. You should fish with a tight line to your flies. That oh, yeah, way, you yeah, won't yeah. miss so many fish. Yeah. But then there's no. There's no way you're going to get an eat with a tight line yeah, yeah, when you're nymphing because of yeah. drag and the flies aren't looking yeah. at it. It's certainly in New Zealand anyway, it might be different in other countries, but yeah, slack is, slack's your friend. You've got to have it, you got to have it or you won't get an eat, you won't get a fish to eat your fly to lose. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And it's just fishing. Especially. Well, I've for sure seen it with fishing I've done on my own. Yeah, I realize like drag. my presentation sucks and that's... Drag-free drifts everything. Though. Yeah. And on the Tongariro, like if people come here, they've never been here, what advice would you give them?
1: Never been here, can yeah. fish? Can fish, yeah. I guess, I guess if you're not, if you're not going to get a guide, then I'd say rock into like the local shops and yeah. just ask some questions. Yeah, flies, slow, yeah. like, you know, access Hounds River fishing, like that, what kind of, and just get a get a feel from them. They're they're normally pretty good with um, information. Yeah, yeah. I've
0: seen in Turangi. Um, Sporting life's a really like, good shop. We, I went to two shops. I can't remember the. But both guys, like when I asked them questions, they were like super keen. Yeah, to, to, yeah, like, most of them you.
1: are, right They're, they're super ha- happy to help.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's business for them also, so if they're idiots. Yeah, unless they're like over like a certain age and they don't give a damn anymore, <laughs> <laughs> and they say yeah. like, "I don't care, bro. <laughs> if you buy this rod, oh, you're, you're gonna, gap- gonna catch 100%. a lot of fish." Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, that's, and that's right. how it works. So. More uh, equipment, more luck.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if you know how to fish a river, then just fish it like any other river. It's a river's a river, a trout's a trout.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Just approach it in the same way. Yeah. And is there something that still gives you, like, a huge kick? Do you rather want to catch a brown? Because you guys are, on the videos, brownies. you're like, oh, brown, brown, Love brown, brown. Like, why? Why brown? Why brown? I don't know, man. It's something about a brown trout. Are less?
1: There are in the North Island. In the South Island, it's predominantly brown trout okay. and less rainbows. Up here, it's there. So it might be that. But I've always had a thing for brown. There's something about them. Fight more or what? They just look cool. They seem to be... They seem to be more arrogant.
0: But they've got a bigger, asking. like, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got like a much, the, the male trout, what do you call a male trout? Jack. The jacks. I'm doing a podcast with someone who's a fly fishing guy I don't know what a jack is. <laughs> there you go, bro. I um, think it might be a New Zealand term, eh? Oh, you think? Because you
1: get a lot of people in the States that ask, like, and oh, what's a jack? Yeah, yeah, jack and a hen, yeah. But
0: they've when they've got that, like, Big freaking mouth, and he looks all bony. Yeah, that it's looks pretty, pretty cool. like primal almost. It's like wicked, it's
1: but you get you get some of that in in some of those bigger rainbows too. They look yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I don't know, man. It's just something cool about a brown. Hard to put your finger on.
0: So, we spoke about this earlier, and and I picked this up in, in my only frame of reference for Alex is, is is the videos I have like. If his buddy is. Brad, <laughs> I don't Brad. know who you are, but anyways, you know, um, uh, you made uh, one or two vids on, on um, like, catch and release, and just, like, keeping your hands wet, mm. and... Um, fish handling, and sort of stuff. You know, and I, I've seen a couple of times when I'm out fishing, and, uh, you know, you've bunged up a fish it's hit against the net, and you see, you like, stuff's coming off, and you don't know, you know, like, I've damaged their skin because my hands were dry, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, your kind of idea about fish handling started because you said you were sick of killing fish that you didn't want to eat back in the UK, right? And how did that come to where you're now and the way you think about it? Um, Well, cer- certain aspects
1: w- was that, I mean, like anyone that knows me knows I fish barbless hooks. That even goes back to before I started trout fishing when I was catching carp and stuff like that when I was a real young. I don't know how young. 10, maybe even, and it was obvious to me when I catch a carp with a barbed hook, it made a mess of its lip way more than on a barbless hook. Yeah, yeah. So even back then, doing like that, yeah, yeah. just and and just because of the barb, it rips a big hole in as it comes out. They have quite soft mouths as well. So even back then, I was I noticed it and I would use barbless hooks, yeah, over barbed hooks then, and then that just kind of transferred across to. To trout fishing, and I've just, I just, it just makes, it's a no brainer to me. Makes total sense. And then as far as fish handling goes, yeah, I I I never liked having to kill fish, and I I like to watch fish swim away. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to just a bit of love and respect for. I mean, fish are cool. I love them. They're awesome. So why would you want to treat it badly?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and kind of increase its chances of you know getting a disease or, or dying or, or not recovering it, it just it just makes no sense to me i don't understand it
0: and the theories of like because um, there's a big thing maybe it's because i'm new in this world but you know a lot of people have uh, on their podcast talk about it like from <laughs> <laughs> one podcast you're not that of new zealand sorry Damn bro it. Um, but about like just, you know, small things and studies they do. Um, did you just kind of figure it out by yourself or did you hear people talking about it? Um, yeah, I think I pretty much, it seems pretty obvious
1: to me what's good and what's bad. Yeah. You know, So you uh, wet hands. Totally. Yeah. Wet so hands. So you don't get that slime off. Yep. It's the protective yep. covering. Uh, on I don't wear gloves, especially uh, like some of those sun, sun gloves have minimal, um, impact on a fish i think yeah but anything like a thick full glove has just got no business on a fish yeah making sure hands are wet when it comes down to like to nets making sure your net is big enough and like yeah. you, you know that you know that green knotted
0: shitty mesh that comes on some yeah, of those dude. Bum- my first my first net was one like that yeah and i watched one of your videos and i bought a new net right after that because oh, i for saw you, the damage yeah. that it did and i felt like Crap about yeah, it, it.
1: Splits fin, yeah, yeah, caught I, up I, in I, teeth and, 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 just, and so yeah. And just scrapes all that protective slime off. So it, And a lot, a lot. Not like
0: a little, like yeah. a lot, like it's real dangerous. You know, you
1: know when you if you use that stuff like and you leave it in a car for a couple of days, it stinks of fish. Yeah. That's the slime. Yeah. And yeah you yeah. don't get that with that. Yeah, not yeah. taken rubber all of it off. Me- yeah, man. It shouldn't be on there. So that stuff needs to just be banned, I reckon. So it's gotta be knotless rubber mesh. And uh, a deep nice deep me- uh, net bag. So You know, when your fish is in the net, if you're messing around getting a camera out or or whatever it is, or you're unhooking, you can let that fish sit fully submerged in the water, upright, so it's recovering the whole time. And then if you're taking pictures, like making sure your cameraman is ready to go before you lift a fish out the water. And I try and get like a, a five second rule on fishing out the water. You know, I lift it out the water for longer than five seconds before I give it a drink. Yeah, yeah And yeah. give it a proper drink. Yeah. I just liken it to imagine you've just sprinted for your life for the last three hundred meters. Yeah. And then I come along and grab your head and shove it Sh- in a swimming yeah, pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Like that's that's just the same thing. So and just then, just thinking about the fish and, you know? and fa- fish facing upstream, like you said. Yeah, where
1: possible, you know, releasing it in 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 the edges, not real fast water, so it can actually recover and swim yeah. off strong. If you do it right. The fish should power off every time yeah you know if that fish takes ages to recover and it's trying to roll over and it can't stay up you've done something very wrong yeah and that could be down to how you play a fish like i got fight fish hard
0: yeah
1: and that's all about getting them in the net with a lot of energy left yeah so they can swim off with a lot of energy um and just yeah just treating it with a
0: bit of love um if a client comes to you and they're like hey man i I really want to eat something. What do you say to them? Say not on my watch. Nah, or pretty much. Yeah. And you'll you'll say that. You'll have the guts yeah. to say. it?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I'm very upfront about that. I don't. Yeah. I don't kill fish. And, and certainly, certainly backcountry. If you go backcountry, no one should be keeping fish because. Yeah, yeah. Just all those fish are resident fish and they're the breeding fish. They're not coming in and out of a yeah, lake. Yeah. There's nothing to replace those. So Yeah,
0: they must be there. There shouldn't be any limit out there. <laughs> you, you you said you've caught fish and next year you've caught it again or a couple of months. Only later. on a couple
1: of times I have caught the same fish and I've seen the same fish caught that I've caught before by somebody else. Yeah. So it's yeah. Done done well, it it
0: works really well. And you, you're tagging kingfish for flats, it's kingfish that you tag. Kingfish, right? yeah. Um, have you tagged? Is there? Are there groups in New Zealand that tag uh, trout and stuff No, like I that? don't think there is. Eh, I don't think anyone's done that. Why? Done I mean, that's it's a good point. A, I don't know. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of guides. Yeah. There's a lot of tourism r- around fly fishing. Someone should like a good start point. doing that. I guess maybe it would come down to
1: money and probably money. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I don't know who... Maybe just...
0: get some master's degree student to do something and then just gather data and just ask all yeah. the guides to start tagging I wonder Surely it must
1: have come up in conversation like a fishing game or a dock yeah. meeting or something. But uh, but even with the kingfish thing, it, worked, it started off as a pet project of a buddy of mine which I jumped on and then it's now gone kind of a bit beyond that and the legacy and stuff have involved but... Oh, it's kind of like trying to push shit uphill as far as like most people just aren't interested in Yeah. They can't see that a kingfish, for example, that has been caught and released is more valuable than one that gets scooped up in a net once killed and then, you know, mm. used for whatever. You know, so like I look at look at it like let's just take one one of the ones that I got I caught and was recaptured in the South Island. So I travelled to the South Island, spent all that money getting gas and ferries and driving and accommodation and food and all, all that kind of stuff, and fishing gear. and Then however long it took me to catch that fish, tag it, release it. Then the next year, somebody came from the States, flew all the way into New Zealand, yep. hired a car, had accommodation, travelled down. A lot of money. And to, to catch that fish, yeah. And then it, I think it was even released again, so it's potentially still... Yeah, some um, other guy can spend money now and so do the same it's a, thing. It's a no brainer. So why wouldn't you want to protect those sort? Even just, oh, just yeah, just just putting some time and effort into protecting that resource.
0: Yeah, just, you know. for sure. I think there's a lot of conversations like that that needs to be had in New Zealand. And maybe because you're from the UK and I'm from South Africa, we kind With of a different see it outlook. Now. Maybe like, you know, how invasive species like trout and deer should be managed. How the ethics around it, um, maybe putting, new, if you want to keep the deer around, maybe putting new genetics in there, like releasing some captive stuff so they don't start inbreeding. You know, there's all this stuff. Just conversation to have enough analysis. You don't have to do something now, yeah, but you need to, like, people need to start thinking. To be talking about way. it. yeah, Because, you know, some resources are finite. They're just going to disappear one For day. sure. And um, New Zealand can't take a knock like having all the trout gone I believe I I, mean, I agree yeah. and, and all these people going out of work all these shops going out of work all this tourism just stopping yeah. um, it's massive tourism it's huge it's it so much money it's, it,
1: without it it's screwed
0: yeah, yeah for sure Yeah. so so, you've been fishing the Tongariro for 15 years
1: on, a, on, on and off I've definitely over the last few years spent more time on it than ever before yeah. mainly through summer trying yeah. to catch those browns yeah um but yeah it's it's a it's a
0: really good river it's a really good river and yeah. and you've mentioned that you've you've seen a couple of changes and things happening um one of your issues were if we can touch and it was like you see too many dairy farms pop up and you feel the water quality might be going
1: yeah maybe not so much on the tongariro but certainly on some other rivers you know uh hawks bay area for sure um there's, there's definitely some rivers that are massive declined for what they were.
0: Just like muggy water or
1: pollution? Plants, yeah, f- fish numbers gone, you know, in real decline because of the water quality, which is directly related to, you know, what's going on over there as far as, you know, some of those dairy farms and, and runoff and irrigation and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, and, um, and
0: once again, it's just a conversation that needs to be had. If guys plant like natives and the water gets filtered through it, you're solving the problem. Yeah. Maybe not solving it hundred percent, right? But it's helping, for it's sure. It's helping.
1: Yeah. Then at the same time you've got that root base, so then erosion is not quite so much of an issue because it has some structure to yeah. it and yeah. it's a big thing. It, yeah. But it seem they seem to be gonna go the other way. Yeah. Rip these out and then change that and then bang that in there and then all of us oh well that's that, that's not as good as it used to be. And it's
0: <laughs> Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, so for listeners, I'm I'm in agriculture. So, I support farmers. I especially support yogurt. I love yogurt. Mm, you like it. So, <laughs> so, I don't want the dairy farmers to stop, but people need to think. Yeah, but we'll get into that later. Um, Tongariro, water quality, you think it's still it's fine? pretty
1: good because it comes, it comes straight out pretty much the Kaimenoa Range. So, yeah. it doesn't really come through farmland. It comes straight off the range, goes straight down into the lake. So Is that doesn't... snow? Is that much um, th- No, nah, I mean, there's some, there's some, there'll be some snow melt. After water winter, catchment. but it's basically just a water catchment area, okay. yeah. yeah. And um,
0: what size fish do you catch on average here? Well, weights. Probably your average fish in the Tongaro is around like three pounds. That's how many kilograms? Uh,
1: one and a bit. One one bit. 1.2, 1.3 maybe. What's the biggest you've caught here? Uh, I'd say the biggest fish I've seen out of there myself is around like 11, 12 pounds. That was a rainbow too. It was a wicked fish. Oh, so I've seen weird. two. I've seen two at that size. So that's come out of there, which would be six like, kg's about. Which would be just under, maybe five and a bit. That's a, a monster. Huge fish.
0: Who massive. caught it? Was like, were you guiding or what?
1: Uh, I caught one, and then I had a client catch another one, another like a few years later. That is so that's big. That's a man. massive fish. Yeah. Really big. And every year you'll see browns in there, at that big. Yeah. Catching them is different. Yeah, story. yeah, for sure.
0: But like you'll see them in there. See some huge there. Huge fish. And do you feel uh, fish numbers have declined? Could you say like, oh shit, there's less fish? Uh, no, I really? think
1: it's, it's definitely been a cycle. So a few years back, like six, seven years back, there was a re- we had a really shitty year as far as like fish quality.
0: In what, what? Was a it lot, drought or what? There was it, a
1: lot of nah. They reckon what it was is there's not enough. So the fish in the lake predominantly feed on smelt, which is like a little yeah. little bait fish. So they reckon there's not enough smelt in the trout in the trout. Not enough smelt in the lake to to go around the number of trout. Yeah. So what they ended up doing was they tried a couple of other things, what they ended up doing was actually upping the limit that, of trout you could keep and reducing the size limit of takeable fish. Yeah. So it meant so we it, was, upping
0: the limit, so if you, so you could, could hold Four they pushed it to eight, whatever size. They put like it up
1: that. to six and then reduce the, the size limit to like thirty centimetres I think. Okay. Because what they wanted to do was take more fish out of the lake. Yeah, yeah. So there was more food left for the fish that were left.
0: Yeah. And then what happened?
1: Well, it's been a few years, but I don't know whether it's directly relate or indirectly related to that. Over the last couple of years, the quality seems to be going back Oh, really? Up. Just so because there's more food. There's more food for the fish that the left. So, I mean, beginning of this year, so far this winter, there's been some stonking fish coming out, and they're all in really good well, I mean, So it could be a, that, it could be a, a good move. If it's mood. related,
0: I'd support it. You know, yeah. People have to take stuff out. There is it, a
1: shit so. ton of fish in that lake,
0: man. <laughs> so, so, do... Th- do those fish all migrate to the lake and back in spawning season or are some of them in the river the whole time? Some will, some will end up being resident
1: fish in the river but a lot, or moving around up and down within the system. But a lot, it's like all the browns. Yeah. Maybe there were a couple of residents that stay in the river, but the, the browns will, will push up out of the lake over summer, do their thing, and they'll be dropping back in now. And now the rainbows will push up into the tributaries to spawn. Then they'll drop back into the lake to okay. recover. But some will always be hanging around in the river as well.
0: Is there anything preventing you from doing your job? Do you feel there's legislation or some weird rules saying you can't guide here or there? Or do you feel in New Zealand you've got it <coughs> really, it's like very easy for you to do your job?
1: Not really. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, as far as a lot of public... What are you, you can you can guide with as long as you have your dock concessions. Um, I'm in the Guides Association, so I'm kind of lucky in that, that I get all my dock concessions, which is basically your permits to guide on public land. Yeah, yeah. Covered. I get all of those through okay. that.
0: And um, that's like a yearly fee you pay or something? Yeah, like
1: that. yeah, that's right. And then, you, you know, you, you fill in your returns, tell them where you've been, what you've been doing, so you can kind of keep track of that. So that that's pretty good. Um, and then... Uh, yeah it's it's not too restricted, really there's this in places with private access and stuff that you might not be able to get into, but I mean that's just that is what it is, but it's actually it's pretty good. It's pretty you know as long as all those things are in place you
0: can pretty much just crack on and and do your, and thing. Do your thing and you're yeah. guiding uh you're guiding trout fishing, are yeah. guiding kingfish Yeah, I'll do Where, king- or do you do kingfish what's over the- in
1: Taurong is probably the closest okay. to us, which is a couple of hours away. Um, but all, all my kingfish stuff is done on foot. So okay, like yeah, yeah. I've got a boat, but uh, I don't have my skipper's license. Yeah. And my boat's not big enough to take more yeah, than yeah. two people anyway. So it's all on foot. But that's kind of how I prefer to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I like having my feet on the ground. And
0: how much, like, percentage-wise, kingfish versus trout? How much do you do? How much Oh, uh, like
1: 98% trout. Okay. Yeah.
0: And are you just getting into the kingfish thing? It's it's not
1: everyone's cup of tea. It It's a lot of time... Like if you were to go, hey, this man I want to do one day on the flats. I'd be like, maybe we should go catch some trout. Oh, really? Because
0: you really got to put some time in to find those fish. I, I know it's becoming big in Auckland from the people yeah. I'm kind of talking to. Like mm-hmm. they're like really into it. There's some good flats up there. Yeah, well, and it's yeah. easily easy to access also. Is it? Yeah, 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 it okay. is. Um, I know the, the, uh, the tackle shop, tackle shop, the fly fishing shop, Rod and Reel, um i've got like a club of guys who go out oh yeah. they're pretty successful it's not just kingfish but i mean it's Car like whatever well. and yeah. snapper yeah, yeah and catching snapper too. on on the fly are they all
1: going out on each other's
0: boats and that kind of thing or they uh, just some yeah. a lot of guys are walking okay. uh, and then there's like uh, they take out groups of like 12 people you know for the club newbies and stuff shit that's cool and uh people are coming back with fish it might not be a kingfish but uh Catching a snapper is still cool, man, and yeah. those guys take it and they eat it and they Especially love it. Especially on fly, they... yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, another question I had, uh, which I'd... If, if you could manage, like, New Zealand rivers, like trout, natives, access, just laws, water management, is there anything you think you'd, you'd change? Is there anything that you think would make the quality better or the... I think if I, w- if I, w- if I had, like,
1: if I had a total say, I would probably... No, I would. I would... Hmm. What I, ban- I I, I want to say I've banned spin fishing I'd certainly ban okay. it in rivers yeah yeah and if but it's could, banned in some rivers right some rivers yeah like the River, but like backcountry rivers or well, I'd ban it in all of that okay uh, and I'd certainly ban treble hooks
0: okay
1: because it just fucks fish up that's just brutal um so if, if you were to spin it would be like a single hook under a certain size that was barbless yeah. yeah um and then across the board, I'd just ban barbs. Okay. Just, 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 the, you know, the barb was originally there to keep the worm from coming off the hook. Oh, yeah. What well, are you doing? I didn't know that. You don't need a barb.
0: Yeah, because we're fly fishing.
1: And learn, learn to fight a fish properly, and you're not going to lose any yeah. more fish than normal. Yeah, <laughs> okay. learn to
0: fight a fish properly. That's my take out from today, I mean, he, guys. They, <laughs> you have plenty of attention on that fish.
1: The well, hook wasn't coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> so generally, you know, you know, if you fight a fish properly, it's not going to make a damn bit of difference. And then uh, it does, I think, way less damage. And if you do bust a fish off, that hook has got a really
0: good chance of coming out, man. Do you think like all these fly fishing companies should just like stop making barbed? yeah it's like not give it, you just shouldn't don't give be you clipping option, it off because yeah. I mean you were clipping off a bunch of stuff today yeah yeah Just I crush every barb if it's like not a barber's hook I'm sure that it's very easy to whatever they mould it in or whatever to oh, just yeah, change yeah. that just... like
1: I say like most people in the states fish barbers across the board it's brilliant yeah. they're great
0: it's great having them bringing their flies because they'll know the barbers so I think that's another conversation we want to just like have with the shops and say, like, listen, guys, can't yeah. you sign a petition or some yeah, weird thing? it's
1: interesting. In a lot of ways, New Zealand is, is quite behind the times with certain things, and that's one of them. Like, I, I, I have a conversation with a lot of people, and normally their first response is, I'm not fishing barbers because I don't want to lose fish. Oh, yeah. And so people don't want, they don't, if they have the option, they'll always go for the barb oh really yeah so I think what you're saying if you just take that out of the equation just
0: yeah then they'll just have to have be to. better yeah better just, just
1: be, be a better angler well I mean
0: if you yeah it's just read up about what to do yeah. now to keep the tension oh, just as long as you, long as you keep
1: tension on the fish that hook is not coming out and if it does unless it's a every now and little and then wild fish because then you just pick, pick, it, pick up it up <laughs> out of the water and put it into the <laughs> into the net into the net because they're basically yeah. like sardines and you know what even if you do lose the odd fish because of it I'm alright with it because of the other end of the scale, I'm happier about if, you know, if you do break a fish off, you know, you know that fish is not carrying that thing around for the next, until yeah. it's caught again. Well,
0: we went fishing in in Ake um, Gorge and we, my buddy had caught a fish um, and the line had snapped or the knot had, had come untangled and 40 minutes later I caught it and it was barbed. Yeah. And it was still stuck in his mouth with a piece of line on this yeah. long, and then a couple of months later it happened again, and that just shows you this thing has to carry it around. It's not coming out, and it's gonna get stuck somewhere, and it's gonna its feeding is gonna suffer from it.
1: And yeah, just just having that thing just in the fish, eh? It's just yeah, it's just not cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I definitely do that. Um, I mean, as far as like what. Fishing game and stuff like that have in place that that their their public access is pretty good. Like, there's a lot of like angler access points all over the country that that are pretty good. And um, so I think they do a pretty good job there. Yeah. And I wouldn't probably want to be the person in charge of
0: all of that. It's probably a headache. Yeah, it must be a headache yeah. because you're dealing with so many people's emotions. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. Like, and I don't know what
1: I don't know what kind of pull or power they have over decision making. Like, if they're like. Well this river's getting screwed by you know say some sewage coming out of this or some garbage coming out of that or or whatever um i don't I don't know how much say they have in making someone do something about that yeah, I would imagine it's yeah, yeah. a government yeah, yeah, decision, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. a fish and game decision yeah, 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 sure. so I don't know how how much they're actually
0: restricted in what what they can do yeah I'm not too sure maybe can they, they can just kind of pause the buck not in like a well, like they the can push it. Maybe make a like, recommendation, which should yeah. then probably get
1: ignored because it's <laughs> or, not or, or they time. can push
0: it to the right guys and just maybe. say, And there's yeah. a there's a problem, and let's see if we can can sort it out. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I'm sure we should touch base again and talk about other stuff. Well, there's We you should think? do it next you
1: time should... we fish, man. Come down in winter and we'll we'll go yeah. out and fish
0: and throw sure, them This and... time, I'll not let something go. Well, we'll see. So, so basically, <laughs> Alex Waller. Go on Instagram, tripping on trout, not tripping, tripping yeah. on trout. No GG. Um, YouTube, same. Yeah, tripping
1: on trout. Actually, all, everything is tripping on trout. Yeah, just Google on yeah, trout. Yeah, website, social media, YouTube,
0: all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, Taranga for some for kingfish. Kingish. And mm. year for some trout. And yeah, hit him up, guys. Easy guy to get along with. Uh, knows what he's doing. Uh, not that I know what I'm doing, so maybe he just knows like a little bit more than me, which I doubt. He knows so, a lot. So all, all I need to
1: do is yeah. know a little bit just, more than you. Just go,
0: <laughs> just go, just go, <laughs> just go check out his, his 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 Instagram and his YouTube, and you'll see um, an awesome day of fishing, dude. I really Let's do it liked again. him. It'll do um, it again. And uh, he's talking at the Auckland Club, uh, which will happen probably before this podcast podcast gets gets out there Let's just say it was a raging success it, it was a huge success we got a lot of clients a <laughs> lot of people were there a lot of models the brad pit yeah that's fishing, right and, yeah the april voki of the new zealand april voki was there i'll send this to her i'm um, sure she'll make the flight over from australia yeah just to just to see you and uh yeah dude awesome thanks yeah. for talking to me i'm sure next time we'll have a lot more to talk about and 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 Maybe do more shooting, cool shooting photos of yeah, you. Yeah,
1: yeah, we'll do that. And,
0: oh wait, last thing, you've got a couple of sponsors, right? Uh,
1: of guys, yeah.
0: you support. How does it? Uh,
1: so yeah, um, I'm. I'm real lucky in um, scientific anglers. They 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 sponsor me, which is which is wicked because whether or not they didn't or not did or not didn't or not whether or not they did or not, I'd I'd still be using their lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd spend a fortune on that so yeah. all my tippet all my fly lines is from them
0: and that's stuff you go through a lot eh? oh and yeah you tippet with clients like mm. mine that I forgot <laughs> <Not> <laughs> for, yeah well yeah. I oh, forgot yeah. my tippet yeah it happens that's just, um, and then
1: works. just like you get some good local support like uh Tupper Rod and Tackle they help me out um, the boys at Kilwell and uh, Orvis they've um, they've been helping me out quite a lot recently and um, also like you know category 3 flies which are the flies we were using and also NZ fishing flies so I pretty much use those two guys for all my flies which I go through a ton of okay um, so, do you tie? You don't tie anything? Ah, uh, no, no I'm, pretty, I'm pretty bad and over it, so I don't bother. Yeah. Um, that net of mine was from Rising. Rising net.
0: Oh, they're really cool nets. Yeah, man. they're I, I, I got a decent net. It's a, what's that? It's a it's Black that, Magic or something. Oh, yeah. And I like it. But once the budget allows, Rising dude oh, For sure. Right? And they do a lot of cool other stuff also. So yeah, really there, cool yeah. little gadgets and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've got a good vibe
1: behind them. Um, what else do I use? Fish pond. I use a lot of the fish pond stuff.
0: Um, good to get a sponsor from them. Oh, that would be sick! If I think everyone
1: else in the world wants that sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too. like getting
0: sponsored by YETI or something. pretty
1: much, yeah. Um, and then uh, or by Toyota Hilux. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Why not? laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Flying Fisherman sunglasses. That's a little sunglass company in Isla Morada in Florida. They've right, been cool. um, hooking me up with shades for a few years now. That's cool. And uh, that's really that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And they've good shades. Then. How, How big a difference does it make? A shitty. Oh, it's Should, everything, man. Especially when you're sight fishing. Yeah. If you can't see the fish, you ain't catching it. Yeah. It's yeah, everything. Sure. It's almost more important than your flash bag or whatever. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. The ones I have are doing half a job, <laughs> yeah. but they look cool. Yeah, I feel, look. Cool. I think they fit my face, but they're not fly fishing. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's got to be
1: um, polarized. Eh? Yeah, yeah, polarized. Yeah, it is polarized,
0: right? but I, you get levels of polarization mm-hmm. also. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah so. Uh, I don't think I've missed anybody out, but yeah, just, just just some good people that are kind of, kind of dig what I do, yeah, and just happy to kind of help me out a little bit where they can. Cool it's man, awesome yeah.
0: So yeah, you've really influenced the way me and a couple of other people look at That's fly cool. fishing. That's really and cool. That's It's inspiring because it makes me want to. Uh, I'll I'll send you one of the articles I wrote because I basically talk about, telling my buddies to go fly fishing, and then I'm like freaking YouTube. And then I get hyped up, dude. Yeah. And then my expectations are here. Just crash and burn. And, just, and, <laughs> and then I crash and burn. But the thing is, I get hyped up on, on like the stuff you guys are doing. And, um, and that's pretty cool because getting people psyched to get out there is never yeah. a bad thing. And it's, it's all totally within your reach. Yeah, for you
1: sure. Just, you, know, you just gotta just just keep getting out there and doing it. And, and then and it's just there. That's the, such a cool thing about living where we live. It's just there yeah yeah like you just for sure put the effort in and go out there and find it and it's just there it's always there it's yeah, wicked yeah for sure
0: it is and I don't think it's going anywhere if people protect the rivers hopefully not yeah, yeah. and trout are freaking cool dude they are wicked fish and the feeling mm. you get when you've got that thing on mm. when you lose it it's different feeling yeah. and the feeling that you get once you watch it swim away yeah that's good. also cool you man. have your moment and then yeah there you go yeah cool Alex Waller guys cheers bro cheers. thank you cheers man typical
1: Talpo rig for nymphing when I first came here was an eight-weight rod, a floating line, a rod length of leader, um, a Christmas tree-sized indicator, uh, and then a really heavy fine float And That's kind of what I've fished for a while, but I tend to I tend to kind of move away from that now. Um, the heaviest I will ever fish now is a six-weight. Even in the think you can do you can do everything with a six-weight, pretty much. Um, and it's a lot more fun when you're, I don't know, when you're in touch with the fish, and especially if you're fishing edges and like side channels and that sort of stuff. It's just a, a much better way to fish, I reckon. And then, as far as setting up goes, um, I tend to, I tend to move away from a tapered leader when I'm nymphing, for the simple fact that. With a tapered leader, at, at the top end you've got that really thick piece of, of line and then come down to water fly, gets thinner, 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 and thinner. But the reason I don't like that is because that thick diameter line in that first, say, 2 thirds of the, of the rig, that is actually really water resistant and it slows the sink rate of flies down. So what I tend to do is I'll put like, a step down of maybe a foot or so of, let's say, a 12 pound line and then I'll then go straight through with 3x or 8 pound and I'll make that the majority of my rig straight through. So it's not as much fun to cast because it's, you haven't got that nice transfer of energy through, the, through from the fly line to the fly, but what you do have then is that nice thin diameter right the way down your rig, and then when you have those heavy flies, it just sinks like a stun. And I tried to kind of, I guess I tried <clears> to <throat> deny that for, for a while, but then once I started using it, you actually get your flies down super quick. And that's kind of where you need your flies. If your flies aren't getting down quick and they're not on the bottom straight away and fishing past the fish, then you're just not gonna get any. So if you, if you do use a tapered leader and your nymph bend, I suggest you try it. It's a really, really good way of doing it. And you just go basically eight pounds straight through. And then if you've got a bit of color in the water and you get down there and it's kind of, you know, the flows around and you've got color. I wouldn't go any lighter than that because you just don't need to. So you can just go eight pounds straight through to your, to your dropper a heavier fly or whatever like that and then and just fish like that for a while and I think you'll find what happens is those flies will sink real quick so they'll get to the bottom of the river quicker and they'll get in front of more fish so the only, the only thing you've got to kind of think about is, is it's a bit shittier to cast because it's not quite as nice but once you get used to it you can water load and roll cast and that sort of stuff uh, I think you'll find you'll catch a lot more fish because of that and then um like in that, that piece of water there, which is like a nice slide, but um, and there's a bit of sun on the water, and it was kind of getting on in the day. Uh, I know a lot of people will just chuck a glow bog, a glow bog, a glow bug on first thing in the morning, and that's all the fish all day. And I think don't just because it's winter. And I used to do it as well. I used to think, oh, it's twenty time, all I'm gonna do is fish a glow because they're spawning fish, and they're just gonna eat, you know, just random eggs. I think um, once, especially once you get some sun on the water. Go back to naturals, small naturals, man. Like, the amount of people that won't fish naturals through winter is mind-boggling. And they're still in there, just spawn, but they're still gonna eat, and there's still bugs coming down. So, especially if like you might get some good action first thing in the morning, then things might just start to taper up a bit. Go back to naturals, little pheasant tails, little caddis, that kind of stuff, and, and kind of fish more like summer, like you would in summer, and um, you'd be surprised what the difference it can make. Uh, to your day, which is pretty cool. And then with the indicators, um, I guess you all know the museum Zealand strike indicator, eh? But, you know, that's the way to go because you can fish deep, you can fish. The next piece of water might be a piece of water like that, which is real shallow. And again, you still see a lot of it where people clip that indicator to the, to the loop in their fly line. And then no matter what water they're fishing, they're fishing 10 feet deep. And it's just, it just doesn't work very well. Uh, so that adjustable indicator really, really makes a huge, huge difference. And then, also, another thing I've been guilty of in the past is you might come from a deep pool where you've got, I don't know, heavy nymph and, and a glow bug, and then maybe you've put a bit of split shot on and just to get down, and then you come to the next piece of water, which is like a nice, kind of shallow run, and you sit there and you go, oh, I should probably change this reef just something a little bit like, oh, God, you're so we're all it. And I did it, and he just go, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to fish it anyway. And then you know instantly, it's the moment you scoop that fish or you end up in a rock and then you bust it off. And, like take the time and just and just don't be lazy. If you think you need to change your rig you and go to a lighter fly or change something up or you know even put a dry and a dropper or just for that particular, thing, just do it. it. Only takes you a couple. Minutes.
0: Alex, you changed from the tapered leader to what you're describing now, um, was that, did you see other people starting to do that or were you thinking like, did you pick up that you're losing fish or that you're spooking fish or like other guys doing it? I don't it? want to say
1: it, but Gareth. Okay. He started doing it and then I was just like, no, nah, it do not make any difference. No, nah, you ain't full of shit. And then like, we fished together and then of course we, we swapped ones quite a lot. You know, yeah, yeah. And then I started fishing his rig like that and yeah. it was instantly obvious okay, it was that... better. Okay. Yeah. So then I just swallow my pride and change. Yeah.
0: And if you say small, small nymphs, um, I mean
1: fourteen. <coughs> go, go to your size like a fourteen for me. And then yeah. if you feel like yeah, you know you're getting refusals or you can see a fish move and look and, and not eat, and then you show them something else, and then maybe drop down to a sixteen. As far as North Island stuff goes, fourteen is my, my go-to, and then sixteen would be like okay, <coughs> get a little bit more kind of you know serious with this guy or. Whatever. And then, if I was in the South Island, I'd probably find my go-to fly was a like sixteen, a little bit smaller, yeah, and then get into an 18, maybe, but um, that's kind of in you know, the South Island stuff. Well. Okay. But yeah, 14s, and then sort of, like, my go-to, probably dropper is like a size 10, 101, if you don't know it. it's just like a stonefly imitation. And then, uh, so my dropper would be like a 10 or 12, varying kind of weights. And then off the back of that, I'll, probably, I'll go straight to a 14. Most of the little, or most of you know, if there's any kind of drag on those flies, unless it's the odd fish was just a bit suicidal, got to be drag free, it's everything. So, you know, setting yourself up. If there's a certain piece of water that you're trying to fish and you want your flies to be fishing through, like put your cast in, do all your messing around, get all your mending done up here, and then let your flies fish, the so longer, the longer you can get those flies just drifting without any drag, the more chance you're going to have of getting a knee. Um, and it generally means, well, as far as what I do, you just, again, just make stuff up. Just do weird stuff. It doesn't look pretty. But just kind of do whatever you need to do to get those flies just drifting as naturally as you can. And I like to fish with a lot of slack in my system. But I think it's good for each so as long as I work on the principle that as long as you can, as long as you can hit a fish at any point, have as much slack in the system as you can, because that's going to soak up all those little currents and it's going to let those flies drift naturally for as long as possible. So I kind of sometimes, I mean, sometimes you get people out telling me that I shouldn't do that, but it seems to work for me. So I think as long as, as long as you can connect with a fish, get slack on the water. sure I see a lot of people. As soon as they start to fish, they start to kind of just slowly just kind of strip lining. And then by the time they get about halfway through the drift, they're just dragging out of, the, out, of the, out of the water. But like, you'd be surprised how much, how much line you've got to lift off and mm-hmm. still connect with the fish. And then all you got to do is just strip down a few times and you've got good tension. But my, my argument is, is, you probably wouldn't have got that eaten in the first place. So. You know, it's, it's a good thing. Just, just try it, like, you know, you'd be surprised what a better drift you'll get with a heap of slack on it. And I'm not talking about a stupid amount, like they say, you've always got to get connected with the fish, but I like, I like slack. It's good, it's good. I think it's your friend. Uh, so yeah, it's all about that drift, and do whatever you've got to do to get the drift that you want, and that could mean could mean crossing the river and fishing the other side. It could mean if you're not getting a good drift from here, even if you just walk a few steps up and then fish from here, you'll get a much better drift through the piece of water you want to get. I mean, and that's one of the things that like, I had to learn from being a lake fisherman where you just stand in one fair place and you just cast and strip, cast and strip. You can actually like, move around and it makes a huge difference from me standing here and fishing this piece of water in front of me. I could just move to there and get like so much better drift. So like move around, change things, if you need to cross the river to get to the piece of water you need to get to fish better, just just do it. Don't be lazy, just kind of think about it and you'll see what's happening in front of you um, as to whether or not your flies are are, are fishing like you want them to do. And um, yeah I guess what I tell people is you want one eye on your indicator and you want the other eye looking at the line between your bog tip. And the indicator, and it will pretty much tell you what you need to do. If you need to mend upstream or downstream, or do a little mend or a huge mend, we need to let some line out. Or you need to pull some line in. Everything, everything is—it's all being told between what's happening at your rod tip and between the indicator, and it'll pretty much tell you. Tell <coughs> you so, what would be your level of importance, on say, fly selection, or anything you've just talked about? Um, I'd probably put fly selection for the most part at the bottom. For this, I'd say presentation and drift is at the top. Yeah, I think mean, that's everything. You can have the best fly in the world, but if it's not fishing well, then you're not going to catch a fish. Um, so I'd say yeah, presentation, drift, mm, depth. So obviously, oh depth, in there. depth is going to be in there. So it's going to be presentation, drift, and depth are going to be kind of in that mix somewhere. Because you could have the best <coughs> drifting flies in the place. Yeah, weight <coughs> plus drift equals fish, I think. Or well, weight plus depth equals fish. So yeah, if the fish are on especially this time of year, winter. A fish. Will move left and right to eat, but it ain't going to move up and down like they do in the summer. So, if that fly is not bumping past them on the bottom, it's not even going to get noticed. And it could just be going a foot over its head, they're not going to come off the bottom and eat. So, if you're not deep enough and you're not heavy enough, you're not going to get any. But then, if that fly is then just swinging through that piece of water, it's not going to get any either. So, it's kind of that combination of everything. So, you yeah, have the same presentation, drift. Depth weight fly. It got real complicated. Yeah, yeah. And, and even in my own fishing, I'll fish it as heavy as I can get away with. All the time. Like if I can catch a fish on an 8 pound line, I will do that rather than go down to 5 pound line just because. Because yeah. then that means I can fight that fish harder, I can get into the net quicker, so it's got more energy, then I'll look after it in the net and it's yeah. going to swim off stronger and have <coughs> a much better chance of living than if I just fight it to the point of exhaustion on 3 pound line just because. And that's the other thing as well. If you're fishing a bit of water and like and you just know, God, that looks good, and I'm pretty sure there's fish in there. You might even see fish in there. And you've gone through, gone deeper, gone heavier, getting good drifts. I just I know I know those fires are on the bottom, you know, that indicators just ticking along. So your fires are just bumping along the bottom and you, and you know it's good, You've done a couple of flight changes, and you're not fishing an egg, sometimes this time and even into like December, sometimes it's worth just banging on an egg and fishing it through. And that can be everything you need. Another thing to do is, what I'll talk about in a minute, is go, go upstream and fish a streamer. Especially if you go, if you just fish a long run and you've nipped it well and you've taken your time, with nothing there. Bang a streamer and go back down through it, you'll be surprised how many fish will just light up. Smash a streamer but they're not interested in, in, uh, in eggs. And this time of year they're pretty aggressive because they're all kind of Trying to get the goods with the ladies, and they see a little thing swimming in front of them, and they just get real angry and get fish. If your flies aren't getting down to the fish, you can fish all day with the best drift in the world, and they just, they just won't get eaten. So make sure, make sure you've got split shot with you, because it's amazing how many times you'll think you're getting down, and you might add a piece of split shot, and you think you must be getting. Then you add another piece of split shot, and then you'll find a fish. And it's amazing, just, especially if there's kind of some weird currents going on. You'll think your flies are on the bottom, but they kind of. Up lifts and it's just keeping the flies up off the bottom, so yeah, I won't go without a split shot at all. Generally, I'll put it a couple of inches above my dropper fly, so my first fly, my heavy fly, and then if I'm adding it and I'm fishing, let's say, a glow bug on the end, I might put it between the two flies, because you know how a go, bug pretty pretty floaty. So what I'll do then is I'll put the split shot between the two so it helps drag that down. Or if I'm fishing two bits of split shot, I might put like one above I the dropper, one there. between the two. Just mix it up, what you think? And a lot of times, if you're not sure, if you can just see along an edge, just chuck your yeah. ring in there and watch how quickly things sink. fish being split shot yeah, like if you're fishing like shallow, uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of like, like skinny water, for sure. Like same as a, nip, a heavy nymph wood, but in some of the deeper water, which is fast and deep, and maybe some of those pools are making make any difference. And as far as being in the water and drifting, there's so much shit. If you ever put a GoPro under the water and just watch what's coming by, there's so much shit coming by us. I don't think it makes a damn bit of difference, no. Pretty much, yeah. You know, there's a bit of a stone here, a bit of pumice, a bit of a stick, a bit of a leaf, you know, something else. And they just kind they just of they're not going to worry about a split shot. It's more about whether or not make you just chuck it away. <laughs> it's probably more of an issue, but obviously if you're, if you're putting that and it's in, if you've got that kind of rig on and you find a fish in like shallow water, then that, I've seen it plenty as well, think' the think it's the water, they're out of there, but then again, you shouldn't be fishing that rig in that kind of water anyway, so um, yeah, I think in the deeper stuff, for sure, doesn't make any difference as far as I'm If you're not finding fish, then, especially like this time of year where it seems to be like just small pods of fish sporadically through the river system. They're not, they're not stacked up yet at all. You know, if you're not on that, move. Keep moving, keep moving until you find the fish. And then when you find the fish, you might be good for, for an hour or so. And then once it dries up, it start moving again. So many people just sit on one place and just, just don't move. And go explore it. Go fish all those bits of water in between like the B main thing. Know, the place where everyone goes. All those little side bits and edges and little side channels. That's where I go. That's, that's where the fun. And, and it gets overlooked a lot by people that just beeline for their favourite pool um, Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. Uh, and that's more I get I get more fun out of fishing like that. Smaller, water, edges where you might even get to see a fish, that kind of thing. Um yeah, it's, it's worth moving around. Um, uh, Barbarous Does anyone here fish barbless? Shit, really? That's awesome, man, I was expecting maybe like one. That's awesome. Um, So I I fish, um, I'm a a bit of a barbless Nazi, to be fair, but I think most people I talk to about it don't wanna fish barbless, because the first thing they think is I'm gonna lose fish. Not true. If you fight fish properly, I don't think you will lose any more fish than you will with a bar. If you keep good pressure on a fish and it's a good hook hole, it simply won't come out. And it makes such a difference because, as much as you try not to, you do bust fish off. And you'll find if you do fit, and the boys' the fish barbers will tell you, once you get a fish in the net and you take the tension off, maybe six or seven times out of ten, those flies will just drop out of the fish's mouth before you even go and unhook it. And I think it's very probable that the same thing happens when you break a fish off. As soon as that tension comes off, that hook will come out. And I think, I think that, I think I'd rather lose a fish or two, maybe, and know that a fish's got a good chance of getting rid of that hard If you lose it, um than not. And, I mean, if you actually fish, Barbless hooks these days—they're actually shaped slightly differently, and, and they're even better than just crushing the barbs. But um, I mean, yeah, I think if I was king, then like I said, the number one reason that people don't want to fish barbless when I to them is they think they're going to lose fish. But if you if you fight a fish properly, you keep good pressure on the fish, you keep a good bend <coughs> on the rod, which you should be doing anyway because you want to get the thing in the net as soon as possible. Um, if you've got a good hook hold, that that that, that won't. Be it won't come out, it just won't. Um, And then another thing talking about fighting fish properly is thinking about angles. So if you're fishing and you're fighting a fish and the fish is heading off that way, rather than just keeping your rod high and just letting the fish get his head down in the current, get his shoulders down and will just sit there with the current and it will just not do anything. And then if you just have your rod high with no angle, you're kind of not, no one's doing anything. So you've got to think more about low rod angles, getting that fish off balance, so then you can get its head up, gain some line. Then it'll shoot off again, get the fish off balance, gain some line. It's all about trying to use your rod angles, get the fish off balance, then you can get its head up, then you can gain some line, and then you can get it in the net sooner rather than later. If you just, if you don't apply all those things and you're kind of a bit nandy-pandy with it, What you end up doing is just fighting the fish longer, so it gets more tired before it gets in the net, and it's got less chance of swimming away and surviving. And I think that's key, especially with catch and release. Um, And then that brings you on to good fish handling, that kind of stuff, so it's great to get pictures and that kind of thing, but if you're gonna do that, the whole time that you're not actually taking a picture or, or doing whatever you're doing, make sure that the fish is fully submerged in the water upright, so not belly up or caught up in the net kind of half out of the water Like it's, just make sure it's fully in the water if you can, upright and not kind of all bent up that's why I like my net like this shape net here like this I was talking about this earlier um, the cool thing about this is that you can get a, a, a good sized fish in the water and it will sit in this net like straight and you can, because of the nice deep net bag and get that thing fully submerged into the flow and just recovering the whole time while you're messing around over here, getting the camera ready or whatever it is you're doing. And then, if you've got a buddy with you, to taking a picture, make sure he's ready to go before you start lifting the fish out of the water. Right? than just getting ready, ready, and said, like, No, 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 I just, I oh, don't no, I just, oh, I've got to get this right, I just send a message to someone. And, <clears throat> and the whole time the fish is out of the water, not breathing. So, kind of talk, communicate. Get something. make sure he's ready to go, make sure everything's ready, and then I finally work on like a five second rule, like that fish doesn't stay out of the water more than five seconds before it goes back in for a drink, um, because the whole time the fish is out of the water, it's not breathing, and it's just fought for its life for the last three or four minutes, so everything's high, the heart rate's high, it's not doing very well, so keep it in the water as long as possible. The other thing as well is that netting, that rubber, that rubber mesh, really good for the fish. You know, you see some of those old style nets, Knotted mesh, it's terrible for the fish. Splits the fins, gets caught up in the teeth, uh, scrapes all that protective slime off really easily. That's why it always stinks when you leave it in the truck for too long. Um, that, that rubber stuff is definitely the way to go. At that time of year, with the spawning, you're going to find reds in the river, you're going to find fish on those reds, some of them are going to be spawning actively. You'll see the old fish kind of up on the side doing its thing and paired up. Um, I'd say the first thing to do is try not to walk on those clear patches. They want to know what a really bed looks like in the river? Yeah. So you'll see those big clear kind of circular oval patches on the riverbed, that, that's what they've cleaned down to lay their eggs in. So if you see those, try not to walk over them when you're wading, try and avoid them. And if, it's up to you, but if I see a fish on there actively doing its thing, paired up, spawning, trying, I don't fish to them, I just walk back, leave them alone. The Oh, there's plenty of other fish in the river that aren't actively doing their thing, so I, don't know. I think it's thinking a little bit more about the, the future of that fishery rather than I'm just going to catch a fish. There's heaps of other fish. Wading stick, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I think the best wading stick is a decent piece of manuka. It's really strong, it's really light. and It doesn't make that clicky, click, 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 those metal ones, mate. You know, the as wading sticks, they're real clicky. Especially especially backcountry, I've seen those food fish. And also those, um, those uh, studs on the, on the boots. Not so much up here, but I've seen in the South Island when I was going down there, I watched fish happily feeding. And then a client come up behind me with those clickety-clackety things, and the fish just, dip, just stop and go. It was really interesting. And then if you're fishing with a buddy, um, if you're doing a crossing that that isn't sketchy or, or slippy, just link up. I link up with Gareth all the time, I link up with clients all the time, and it just it just takes that that little bit to get you out of out of whatever you do. Uh say probably if you're in any doubt about a crossing, just don't do it. Especially in a river like the Tongarira. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look too bad, it looks pretty clear, yeah that's not bad, and then you get halfway across and you're like, oh <laughs> a couple of knots going on, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you any doubt, don't. stick if you're on your own, for sure. If I'm backcountry, I don't fish without a stick. It's, it's, it's saved my ass so many. And I thought it was shitload. But it's saved my ass a lot. Wading belt, I figure that's kind of, you know, probably, probably, you know, everyone knows that, but like, yeah, waiting belt is the key. For that, for that reason alone, as soon as you put your feet up like that, it just cuts everything off. Stops everything filling in too much. And I say don't panic. Like you're gonna, you're gonna come out the bottom of whatever you fall into and you're gonna be able to stand up at some point, so just don't, don't panic and try and avoid the, uh, try and avoid the temptation to turn over and swim, because then you just open up the front of your waders to just the whole river, so yeah, just, like the said, just sit feet up and
0: then just kind of wait it out, for sure.